0: It's time for the February 16, 2024 edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a personal recollection of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting on Do-a-Grouch-a-Favor Day from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And as always... The sweetest, most adorable creature on planet Earth, Mahler, the deep fake news dog. What is it, Mahler? You okay? He's in a bad mood. Have some chicken. Go ahead. Have some chicken. Yeah, what's have some chicken. Relax uh, what's, what's a little bit. What's the deal today? I think he's kind of grouchy. You know, there's one thing we can always do to cheer him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go, Mahler. Get a boy. Yeah. yeah. Good boy. Get it. Get it. Yeah. (laughs) Today, we'll be talking about poop on Mount Everest. What? The desecration of historical memory, women empires, compassionate cannibalism, and so much more. But first, Mm -hmm. remember back in high school, they had algebra, that kind of stuff? Oh, God, yeah. Hell yes. Did you you excel at uh, math? No, I I thought... I should have a m-
1: uh, brain for math. My dad's very good at math, and yeah. I could not crack the code. What got me was uh, geometry. Geometry? Ge- geometry really threw me. Hmm. But what about re- the quadratic formula? I, yeah. I, you know, I love them. Back in the first couple of albums, they were great, yeah. but then they kind of lost. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They, no. they, they played <laughs> with the
0: association
1: here at, uh, <laughs> yeah. at UCI. Yeah, it was in the quad. And, yeah, yeah. I remember what, yeah, I remember it.
0: From Travis Meyer, the opinions editor at the Washington Post. For most of us, the quadratic formula was one of many algebraic knots crammed into our heads in high school long enough to pass a math test, then properly or promptly forgotten. Mm-hmm. In fact, only 22% of the nation's workers use any math more advanced than fractions, and they typically occupy technical or skilled positions, those that do. Mm-hmm. That means that more than three-fourths of the population waste time in high school with numbers when they could be learning something more useful, like, say, applied logic. This branch of philosophy grows from the same mental tree as algebra and geometry, but lacks the distracting foliage of numbers and formulas. Call it the art of thinking clearly, something we need urgently in this era of disinformation. Yes. Logic teaches us how to trace a claim back to its underlying premises and to test each link in a chain of thought for unsupported assumptions or fallacies. People trained in logic are better able to spot deceptions and misdirection. They also have a better appreciation for different points of view because they understand the thought processes that produce multiple legitimate conclusions concerning the same set of facts. Mm-hmm. Math advocates claim to be teaching complex problem-solving, mental discipline, and a better understanding of our world. Logic teaches the same things more directly. Geometry can't teach you when an argument is manipulating your emotions, but logic can. Calculus doesn't help you solve moral dilemmas, but philosophy can. Of course, all students need to master the basic math of everyday life so they can manage money, compare prices, and figure out many modes on-base percentage. It's reasonable to suggest that public schools all provide a standardized core curriculum, but the U.S. has not thought this question through since 1983 with the release of A Nation at Risk, the product of a presidential commission on education. Among its recommendations were a minimum of three years of math for all high school graduates. Since that time, the digital revolution has placed massive computational power in the palm of every student's hand, and that same computer revolution has given us a crisis of conspiracy theories and a polluted public discourse. Yep. What's at risk now is our ability to reason together as citizens. Prioritizing higher level numeracy over other forms of logical reasoning is not turning us into a nation of engineers and physicists is letting us become a nation that can't think straight. We are a nation in need of applied logic. Yeah. And that's Travis Meyer, the opinions editor at the Washington Post. Amen to that. Yeah, I, I, was, so I wasn't
1: good at math, but I was pretty good in my logic class. I did well in that. So there's something to that. It's
0: a good, well, good article. Well, yeah, I think so too. There's so much emphasis on creating a, a, a tech job market that we've forgotten that we also have to be people yeah. and we all have to think our problems through, not just have numbers that can eventually give us some sort of formulaic answer. Right. Sometimes things are more complex than that. Sometimes you have to follow just people's thoughts rather than numbers. I think that AI might be uh,
1: very helpful in one regard in terms of education, I know that we're always going to be locked into kind of a education by your age which there's a lot of there's a lot of things about that that make sense socialization and other things that come into play but there will be a point in which AI or some version of that will be able to be able to measure your strengths and weaknesses and apply education to address both of those things I hope and it not. will not be what you don't you hope not yeah well well I'm thinking it will supplement. I don't know what your objections are to that. I
0: just don't think uh, AI has the capabilities to completely process all human thinking. Okay,
1: all right. But some version of managed in terms of your ability in certain fields of learning were better than in others, and to be able to customize an educational program that accentuates... And,
0: and Yeah, have teachers pay attention to students wh- rather than qualifying their students so they can get funds for their schools. You're okay, yeah, yeah. That's one so, reason. Okay, all right. From BBC News. Decades of commercial mountaineering have turned Mount Everest into the world's highest rubbish dump as an increasing number of self-absorbed climbers pay little attention to the ugliness they leave behind, including their poop. Now under a new rule, people climbing Mount Everest will have to clean up their own poop and bring it back to base camp to be disposed. Our mountain has begun to stink, Minga Sherpa, chairman of Pasang Luma Rural Municipality said. Due to extreme temperatures, excrement left on Everest does not fully degrade. Although no official figure exists, it's estimated that there are over three tons of human excrement between Camp 1 at the bottom of Everest and Camp 4 toward the summit. Oh, my God. Three tons. Poop is visible on rocks, and some climbers are falling sick because of it. Climbers attempting Mount Everest, the world's highest peak, will be ordered to buy poop bags at base camp, which will be checked upon their return. <laughs> that I, I don't want to be in you charge that of that. Baller?
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to be in charge of that part of the whole expedition. But, yeah.
0: yeah. If you're good at basic math, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? $25 could go a long way, but better yet, make that three times as much. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air, commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI, 88.9 FM. From the Smithsonian, researchers found that the relentless stream of emissions from cars, factories, and other industrial sources is interacting with and breaking down wild plant fragrances, an essential tool for attracting pollinators. Some of air pollution's most common chemical agents, ozone and nitrate radicals, significantly deteriorate wildflower scents. By examining electrical activity in moths' antennae, scientists determined which components of a primrose fragrance were most attractive to the insects. Chemicals called monoterpenes were a moth favorite. With this knowledge, the scientists created their own primrose scent, then sullied it with chemicals to simulate a flower exposed to common air pollutants. When just ozone was added, the scent's monoterpene concentrations fell by about 30%. Mm. But when they mixed in nitrate radicals, which primarily act at night when the moths are out, the sweet smelling monoterpenes dropped by 84%. Oh my God. Compared to an unaltered primrose, tobacco hawk moths reduced their visitation by 50%, and white-lined sphinx moths stopped visiting the polluted flowers entirely. This reduction led primroses to produce fewer seeds. During the research, the researchers also found that since the pre-industrial atmosphere The level of air pollution in most cities around the world has reduced the distance from which pollinators like hawk moths can detect scents by up to 75%. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the Industrial Revolution has cut down on a moth's ability to find things they need to pollinate for us to keep going the way we're going by 75%. From Echo Watch, the Atlantic Meridional Overturning circulation, one of your favorite things. Yes. Or AMOC, of which the Gulf Stream stream is part, works like a giant global conveyor belt taking warm water from the tropics toward the North Atlantic where the water cools, becomes saltier and sinks deep into the ocean before spreading southward. The currents carry heat and nutrients to different areas of the globe and play a vital role in keeping the climate of large parts of the northern hemisphere relatively mild. For decades, scientists have been sounding the alarm on the circulation stability as climate change warms the oceans and melts ice, disrupting the balance of heat and salt that determines the current's strength. Scientists know from building a picture of the past using things like ice cores and ocean sediments, the AMOC shut down more than 12,000 years ago following rapid glacier melt. So what we've been fearing happened 12,000 years ago. <sighs> now they're scrambling to find out if it could happen again. The scientists used a supercomputer to run climate models simulating a gradual increase of fresh water to the AMOC, representing ice melt as well as rainfall and river runoff, which can dilute the ocean's salinity and weaken the currents. As they slowly increased the fresh water in the model, they saw the AMOC gradually weakening until it abruptly collapsed. It's the first time a collapse happened using these complex models. The impacts of such a collapse could be catastrophic in the real world. Some parts of Europe might see temperatures plunge by up to 30 degrees Celsius over a century. That's 54 degrees Fahrenheit leading to a completely different climate, I'll say, over the course of just a decade or two. the Amos collapse could also cause sea levels to surge by around three feet. What the study doesn't do, however, is give time frames for a potential collapse.
1: If there's any silver lining to the story that you just read, and that is it happened 12,000 years ago, some version of this, which means that it did come back. That the stream uh, came back. I'm not saying that, yeah. oh, boy, that's a good thing. We only have to wait 12,000 years. But it, it does give you some hope that if somewhere along the way we can begin to repair the planet, that there may be some reason to be optimistic. Yeah. That's it. That's the only thing I yeah. can say. It's happening. It's going to happen, I believe.
0: Maybe not in my lifetime, but it's going to happen. From Los Angeles Times. It was a decade ago when California became the first state in the nation to ban single-use plastic bags, ushering in a wave of anti-plastic legislation from coast to coast. But in the years after California seemingly kicked its plastic grocery sack habit, material recovery facilities and environmental activists noticed a peculiar trend. Plastic bag waste by weight was increasing to unprecedented levels. So we tried to get rid of the plastic yeah, bags. We know. ended up with more plastic. According to a report by the California Public Interest Research Group, that's Calperg, 157,385 tons of plastic bag waste was discarded in California in 2014, the year the law was passed. By 2022, however, the tonnage of discarded plastic bags had skyrocketed to 231,072, out 47% jump, even accounting for an increased... Increase in population, the number rose from 4.08 tons per 1,000 in 2014 to 5.89 tons per 1,000 people in 2022. The problem, it turns out, for California was a section of the law that allowed grocery stores and large retailers to provide thicker, heavier weight plastic bags to customers for the price of a dime. Yeah. You know that deal. I remember it. Yeah. I I mean, mean, you want still a bag? An, sure. And they bring an out this big, pl- thick plastic bag. A lot of people do try and recycle them. But a lot of people don't. Yeah. I think it just goes back in the trash. Basically, what happened is that plastic bag companies invented these thicker plastic bags that technically meet that definition of reusable, but are clearly not being reused and don't look like reusable bags and which can just circumvent the law's intent, said Jen Engstrom, Calprig State Director. Now, California legislators are hoping to correct that error by passing a law that closes that loophole and bans those thick plastic bags offered at the checkout line. There's a pretty clear road for this legislation as it moves through the Assembly and Senate, in large part because it's supported by the California Grocers Association.
1: By the way, I happened upon an article that is a supplement to what you just described, a study by the Center for... Climate Integrity finds the plastic industry has misled the public for decades about the benefits of recycling plastic. The lead author, Davis Allen, said that big oil and plastic industry knew that recycling wouldn't address the plastic waste issue going back decades. But when the industry faced pressure from the public, they lied to us and told us that recycling was the answer repeatedly. These misleading ad campaigns sponsored educational material for school children, all of these tactics made us believe that it was possible at a much greater scale than it actually is. So yep. that's that's a new study. And uh, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, the industry knew this was a lie. Yeah. The recycling.
0: Yeah, just stop using it. Yeah. As much as you can. Here we are surrounded. I always say yeah. this, surrounded by plastic. Yeah. We have CD cases all around right. us. And, and our uh, mixed-down board here is... A good deal of plastic. The yeah. keyboards on our computers yeah. are plastic. Our lungs
1: now are composed of much of uh, microplastics. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, or nanoplastics. Nanoplastics. So, yeah. Plastics, plastics, plastics. And it's all petroleum. I'm not a leadite here. We need certain things in our lives, but uh, the oil industry has found another way to make our lives a little less safe and a little less healthy.
0: Instead of being so obsessed with progress, Progress. no matter what it is, (laughs) let's look at what the progress will bring and what we will reap from it. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Wow. Thank you, Mahler. From Time magazine, Estonia's prime minister, Kaya Kala, was just declared a wanted person by Russia's interior ministry, The ministry listed Kala on a database as wanted under the criminal code, marking the first time Russia has brought a criminal case against the head of a foreign government. It's kind of crazy, under their criminal code. Yeah. Uh, Well, that sounds preemptive to me. She's not there. Yeah. I don't know if she can smoke pot in Estonia, but if she can, Russia can't say, wait, She's in violation of a criminal code. Well, does it give him a pretext to invade Estonia? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. A, yeah, That's it, what we're talking okay. about. Okay. Dmitry Peskov, a spokesperson for the Kremlin, said that Kayo is a wanted person on the grounds of desecration of historical memory. What? Yeah, yeah. I, it seems like all of Russia doesn't have a historical memory yeah, right now. Right, but right. Nevertheless. Yeah. In 2022, Kaya called for the dismantling of two to 400 Soviet-era monuments in Estonia to prevent them from mobilizing more hostility in society and tearing open old wounds. Kind of like what we did in the South with a lot of old statues of of these racist generals. You're not really tearing down history. You're tearing down a reminder of your history. And in deference to those who are really emotionally scarred by that history, I say tear those efforts down. Yeah, me too. Yeah.
1: Me too. I mean, we we put monuments up for a lot of dumb reasons. We don't need to have as many monuments. But this is particularly egregious in that essentially so many of these things are government-sponsored. They're in front of city halls, courthouses, yeah. things that matter in society. And it's all part of a cult of personality I don't like anyway. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, honestly... I don't know if the Lincoln Memorial is doing us any good. Yeah. You know, the, the statue. Yeah, I, know I, I like true. big buildings to celebrate art and freedom and, yeah. and science and all those good things. But when you start building monuments to people, you get yourself in a ton of and, trouble.
1: And, and I would say in the case that you just cited, I think Lincoln would be uncomfortable
0: with, yeah. that, with that as well. Jesus would be uncomfortable yeah, with what's yes, going on. That's right. Martin Luther King would be uncomfortable with what's going Did on. Did you see this? Okay. Estonia, alongside the Baltic nations of Latvia and Lithuania, were the last to join the Soviet Union, just for reference, and the first to gain independence in 1991 following its collapse. The three nations are in NATO and the EU. And Kaya, the uh, prime minister of Estonia, has been a vocal supporter of the Ukraine since the war began. The stronger Ukraine is, the faster the breaking point arrives for Russia, she has said. I'm wondering if Putin doesn't
1: have some idea, if it already hasn't done it, the International Criminal Court is going to indict him on war crime charges, and this is a way of deflecting or. Or, I, or
0: I uh, showing what a man he is. Yeah, what a man.
1: Did you see any of the Tucker Carlson thing with him?
0: No, no, I can't watch that stuff. I can't. can't. You know, it's two goons getting up there trying to outfox each other. I watched a few minutes. I watched watched a few minutes. It was was, was disgusting. It
1: was actually disgusting. It was horrible to try and watch.
0: From United Press International, Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny who survived a near-fatal poisoning blamed on the Kremlin and endured harsh prison conditions while wielding black humor and social media savvy to battle President Vladimir Putin's autocratic rule, died in prison. Russia's prison agency said he was 47. He was the opposition leader over there, as far as I know. He was a significant
1: figure in in, in politics. And, by the way, he went back to Russia... After he was poisoned. Yeah. He voluntarily went back because he and was confident enough that he believed enough in what he, was, what he stood for to go back. And he to sent, run for office. And, and, and he knew and he was to going to, to be arrested Putin. and he knew
0: all the things were going to happen to him. From the Associated Press, for the first time in more than two decades, Mexico last year surpassed China as the leading source of goods imported by the United States. The shift reflects the growing tensions between Washington and Beijing, as well as U.S. efforts to import from countries that are friendlier and closer to home. Figures released by the U.S. Commerce Department show that the value of goods imported by the United States from Mexico rose nearly 5% from 2022 to 2023 to more than $475 billion. At the same time, the value of Chinese imports tumbled 20% to $427 billion. The biggest drops in Chinese imports were in computers and electronics, and chemicals and pharmaceuticals, all politically sensitive categories. The last time that Mexican goods imported by the United States exceeded the value of Chinese imports was in 2002. Economic relations between U.S. and China have severely deteriorated in recent years as Beijing has fought aggressively on trade and made ominous military gestures in the Far East. Well, they're building fake islands and then they're defending them. (laughs) They, they, They go into international waters, build these islands and then pretend that it's part of their mainland. The Trump administration began imposing tariffs on Chinese imports in 2018, arguing that Beijing's trade practices violated global trade laws. President Joe Biden retained those tariffs after taking office in 2021. Mexico has been among the beneficiaries of the growing shift away from reliance on Chinese factories, but the picture is more complicated than it might seem. Some Chinese manufacturers have established factories in Mexico to exploit the benefits of the three-year-old U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, which allows for duty-free trade in North America for many products. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador said this week that the trade status gives Mexico new leverage. Making it hard for the u s to shut down the border to limit immigration, yeah, and that 's where this gets really interesting. Some industries have set up plants on both sides of the border, especially auto manufacturers that depend on each other for a steady supply of parts. They are shipping them back and forth. one would you know build maybe the the engine block, the other would build the the braces. For overall, the U.S. deficit in the trade of goods with the rest of the world, the gap between the value of what the United States sells and what it buys, narrowed 10% last year to $1.06 trillion, which means our economy is doing better, yeah. which means don't believe the lies of, yeah. of the Orange Menace. <laughs> There's something that's kind of forgotten
1: or doesn't get a lot of attention in terms of trade between countries. And that is trade between giant companies in these different countries, yeah. right? Yeah. Toyota of Japan and Toyota of America, have. there's a significant amount of, tr- quote-unquote, trade going back between those two entities. Yeah. And it just gets kind of lost in the wash of what – so when, when I hear these numbers about international trade, you got to kind of unpack it a little bit. Because yeah. there's a lot
0: – massive corporations all over the world are trading with each other. That's what would be good for AI. Yeah, yeah. To try and figure out a formula so we could actually have a good economic review of what just happened over the year. Yes.
1: And, yes. And, you yeah, know, this yeah. company is connected yeah. to yeah. that company,
0: yeah. which is connected to that company. So when this sells a part over to this company, that's really not yeah. exporting anything. That's yeah, right. It's yeah. exactly right. From the New York Times, Australia's Senate passed a bill that would give workers the right to ignore calls and messages outside working hours without fear of repercussion. So your boss calls you, you're sitting at home, relaxing yeah. for the weekend. You can just let that phone ring. <laughs> let it go. You know, <laughs>
1: ring, ring off you know. the hook, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Good to know.
0: The new bill <laughs> is expected to pass Australia's House of Representatives with ease Mm -hmm. workplaces that punish employees for not responding to such demands could be fined the provision is a last-minute amendment to a package of proposed legal changes and aimed at strengthening workers rights the legislation which also includes protections for temporary workers looking to become more permanent and new standards for gig workers such as food delivery drivers had been heavily debated Mm -hmm. Australia follows in the footsteps of European nations such as France, which in 2017 introduced the right of workers to disconnect from employers while off duty, a move later emulated by Germany, Italy, and Belgium. The European Parliament has also called for a law across the European Union that would alleviate the pressure on workers to answer communications off the clock. Australians already enjoy a host of standardized benefits. That's who passed the law Mm -hmm. here in Australia, including 20 days of paid annual leave, mandatory paid sick leave, long service leave of six weeks for those who have remained at the employer for at least seven years, 18 weeks of paid maternity leave and a nationwide minimum wage of $15 an hour. The country ranks fourth in the world for work-life balance behind New Zealand, Spain, and France, according to an index from the global employment platform Remote. The United States, for what it's worth, with a federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour, ranks 53rd. (laughs) From space.com, a robotic lunar lander, a robotic lun- lunar lander was launched into space, if all goes well on February 22nd, the first day of spring training, <laughs> okay, it will become the first American <laughs> spacecraft to gently set down on the moon's surface since the Apollo 17 moon landing in 1972. Let's do the math on that. That's a long time. That's a long That's what it is. The math is a long time. It's 52, yeah. 52 years. Yeah. Wow. It would also become the first private effort to reach the surface of the moon in one piece. Three earlier attempts by a, an American company, a Japanese company, and an Israeli nonprofit failed.
1: You gotta love that—that that, uh, one that landed upside down or yeah. sideways or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. That's my
0: favorite. Yeah, yeah.
1: that'll be. Yeah, and
0: it seems to be doing
1: semi okay. Yeah, yeah. I, that'll be on the on the tour when you go up to the moon. That'll be one of the first stops you make. Yeah. Can I see the Japanese one that that satellite's on its side? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. It's a nice photo. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a yeah, great photo. Yeah, And to think it sent out the little, uh, little robot little to little take brother. the picture yeah, of the photo of yeah. itself standing on its head yeah, is, that's is a awesome. nice yeah. a nice touch. Yeah. From Nature, researchers from Europe and China have found an ocean in one of the most yes. unlikeliest places in this solar system, yes. hidden beneath the icy shell of Saturn's smallest innermost moon. There's a lot of... Uh, Superlatives there, innermost, smallest, and it's, it's the yeah. unlikeliest. Unlikeliest. The researchers said the global ocean ebbs and flows about 12 miles beneath the heavily cratered and geologically inactive icy shell of Mimos, which has a surface area about the size of Spain. <sighs> That's a small little moon there. Yeah. The findings changed the general picture of what ocean worlds look like and could initiate a thorough examination of similar-sized icy moons throughout the solar system. So these little icy planets might actually have a whole ocean underneath the surface. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought I saw a story about
1: how they think there might be water under the moon under the surface of the moon. Well, there there are ice. The south
0: end that's a lot of these uh probes uh, are probes are going to okay. the south pole of the moon because that's where they suspect the water is and the next step would be to have a pipeline going from that yeah. location to where we want to set up base camp.
1: Well, and the other one is there's one on Mars that the, that they believe there's another maybe possibly uh-huh. they they're finding traces of an ancestral Water or ancient water uh, that they think uh, is, been. Ancient water. I can see the marketing campaign (laughs) now. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Get your ancient water. Ancient Martian water (laughs) from the athletic. Major League Baseball announced Monday that Jen Powell, a 47-year-old umpire who has been working her way through the minor league since 2016, will be one of 24 minor league umpires invited to work major league spring training games starting later this month, a well-known prerequisite to a major league debut. No woman has ever umpired a regular season major league baseball game. One reason a spring training call-up is significant is that only two women have ever received one. Pam Pastma umpired Major League Spring Training near the end of her career in the late 1980s, and Rhea Cortisio made it to Big League Spring Training in the early 2000s. I'd love to see her there. I'd love, to, t- yeah. I'd love to see her behind the plate. And uh, you know, <laughs> just, just really making some good calls yeah, and, yeah. and going face-to-face with some of these prima donnas out yeah, there. Yeah, and by the way... We have had women
1: referees in pro basketball for quite some time now. Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, that's what, wonderful. What, it's yeah, great. I mean what's to say? Do they get the call right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's really the major yep. metrics, I should say. In in the interest of sports news. <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna say I, I watched the highlights of uh, Caitlin Clark last night. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, incredible.
1: Yeah. The shot that she broke the record with Iowa, right? I, I she was for the University of Iowa. Yeah. She, the shot that she made to break the record was what they call a um, logo three. Yeah. She was on. She was on the logo. Oh yeah, she, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. She, it was pure shot. She's got an incredibly good stroke, as they say in the. Yeah. Uh, in uh, basketball parlance but yeah just really fun to watch so you yeah. think she'll try
0: out for the nba
1: well it's i think they're going she's part of the three-point contest that steph curry and her
0: are going to do at the all-star game cool
1: yeah they're going to have a little three-point contest yeah cool. this is
0: for most points in a career in in, 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 in women's in, 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 in collegiate
1: women's. women basketball How, however she's only about 140 points behind behind thank you pete Merovich. For the really? all-time record, and men's record. Yeah, go! So she, and she's got four games to go. I like Pete. So Pete, she, Pete, I but hey. Pete, I love Pete. I love. she had uh, got <laughs> to uh, average thirty-two points a game in her final four games to
0: break Pete. All right. Yeah, there you go. I'm pulling for her. Yeah. From the Washington Post, Republicans are more likely to be hard of hearing. What? Well, you're not a Republican. I know.
1: I'm just. I know. But I reflexively (laughs) (laughs) say that stupid stuff whenever
0: I hear something like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew you know. Americans who have fired a thousand rounds of ammunition or more face three times the rate of hearing loss as those who have never fired a weapon, according to an analysis of observations from the National Health and Nutrition Examination (sighs) Survey. If there ever was an epidemic in the hunting community, it would be hearing loss, said former editor Sam Lundgren of Meat Eater, an outlet that embraces hunting, (laughs) but not the culture wars that often go with it. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. You know, meat I mean, eater. Meat, is that, that's the, that's that's the, the platform. Made. Yeah, I, Okay, yeah. I got you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I know. I, all right. I okay. think we should stop eating so much meat. But, you know, if they're <laughs> surviving on this stuff and not just hanging heads I just, somewhere, I just think which a awesome. lot of people are. Yeah. A lot of people I, really I got you. I got you. Yeah. Okay. When target practice is a way of life, it's easy to become blasé about earmuffs. When that buck is about to get over the ridge, jamming in earplugs is the last of our worries, he said. In the last study from 2012, 13% of U.S. adults were heavy firearm users. 13%, meaning they'd fired more than 1,000 rounds. 13% of U.S. adults now are are losing their hearing because of blowing up guns. And politically, gun ownership tilts heavily rightward oh yeah as recently as the early 1990s democrats were almost as likely to own guns as republicans but in 2022 52 percent of republicans had guns at home compared with just 28 percent of democrats yeah Uh, so it stands to reason that more republicans are hard of hearing which is probably why they think trump is a good candidate yeah they haven't really heard what he They're said. They're deaf. They're yeah, deaf. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, they, yeah. They, so they... <laughs> I suggest that Democrats yeah. should hand out hearing aids. Yeah. Not at the Trump Democrats. rallies. Go yes. you stand there <laughs> just handing out hearing aids it.
1: at Trump rallies. <laughs> By the way, this is completely tangential to what we're talking about. But my dad lost his hearing in the Army. He was on a he was on a artillery oh, yeah, practice yeah. and it, for three days he said and oh they, he lost
0: it he, did he, it, it, he had, did it have a full recovery or what happened no there? he never he was oh yeah. he
1: was hard of hearing his well, for a, as far as I'm concerned his whole life yeah yeah so anyway yeah guns are a bad thing they yeah. they're bad for your so ears it, so is Jimi Hendrix I sir well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no room yeah. to talk
0: there there you go from New Scientist. Today, cannibalism is a taboo subject in most societies. We associate it with zombies, psychopaths, and Hannibal Lecter. But maybe it's time for a rethink, because despite our presconceptions, evidence is accumulating that cannibalism was a common human behavior. Our ancestors ate each other for millions of years or more. In fact, down through the ages, around a fifth of societies have practiced cannibalism. While some of this people eating may have been done simply to survive, in many cases, the reasons were more complex. In some places, consuming the bodies of the dead seems to have been part of a funerary ritual. Yeah, I was just going to say ritual would be the primary yeah. reason. So, someone dies, yeah. you'd eat them. Yeah. Far from a monstrous affront to nature, cannibalism may have been a way of showing respect and love for the dead, say some archaeologists. And don't get mad if you're a particularly.
1: Devoted Catholic, but what do we say in the Mass? The body and blood of Jesus Uh is what we're consuming over the course of the Mass. So it's not as if it's something completely
0: beyond the realm of what you just described. Yeah. And who knows? That might have been a uh, literally a practice back then when they were writing about these things. It wasn't so. Yeah. It's it's not that far out. It's not an, no. a metaphor. No, it's, it's not, and it's not
1: that as you just described. It's not so foreign to uh, human experience. What so, when
0: would you would you uh, take a bite?
1: Um, I'm ve- I am vegetarian, so no, yeah, I guess you get so out of a respect and ritual yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, you I you think would. I would. So, so I, like you know, I die, and they oh, and they I'm there, prepare me. I, I'm there with the fork and knife. <laughs> so, uh, thighs or breast? I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I take my thighs actually. Yeah, you know, yeah. For sure, minor. Yeah, yeah, a little meatier <laughs> than the the
0: are. From Reuters News Service, a crowd vandalized and set fire to a vacant Waymo self-driving car in San Francisco. Michael Vandy, a witness who posted videos of the incident, said that people were celebrating China's Lunar New Year and setting off fireworks when two people jumped onto the hood of a Waymo vehicle and broke its windshield. <laughs> that was when it went wild, he wrote, <laughs> describing people with skateboards breaking the glass and others graffitiing the car. Awesome. There were two groups of people, folks who encouraged it and others who were just shocked and started filming. That's uh, that's what I thought was the most remarkable thing about this post. Not that they were burning a Waymo vehicle, which seems, you know, I mean... Well, it it's cathartic. Well, people are taking out their frustrations yeah, yeah. on on robots, taking away their jobs yeah. and clogging up their city yeah. without any governmental uh, sanctions that prevent them from screwing up the whole traffic flow. So they're angry. It's Lunar New Year. There's this little Waymo sitting yeah, there. Yeah. But what's, what I thought was remarkable is that there are two groups of people those who seem to be participating, and those who were filming it. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, those, uh, those social media posts aren't going to do themselves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, they got,
0: somebody's got to populate that uh, channel. <laughs> From Medical News Today, researchers at Western Sydney University have revealed results of a study showing that frequent nose pickers have a higher probability of developing Alzheimer's disease. The habit introduces germs into the nasal cavity that trigger the brain to produce beta-amyloid as a defense. An abundance of beta-amyloid is believed to be the leading cause of Alzheimer's. It is essential to note that the temporary relief obtained from nose-picking is not a substitute for proper nasal hygiene, the report said proper nasal hygiene being regular cleaning and maintenance of the nasal passages through gentle methods such as saline nasal rinses or blowing the nose blowing the nose <laughs> you ever use one of those uh, nasal rinses no, i have not you have a the neti v- pot
1: or that one that they advertise on television that
0: no i have not have yeah. you have you oh ever? Yeah, yeah yeah i like to i like to watch it you know go in one and come out the other yeah that's yeah, uh, the fascinations yeah, of my uh, yeah. my youth. I'll have to explore that at some point. It's fun. Is it do you feel but do you do you feel like you really Well, when I've worked out doors, when I've breathed a lot of mold and yeah. dirt and crap like that, it just makes you clear-headed. Now, that's you good. have to be careful to keep your neti pot nice and clean. Yeah. You know, you don't want mold in there that yeah. you can make yourself sick uh, yeah, and, and yeah. do some serious damage if you if you don't, okay, properly I, I, maintain you know, that.
1: Why not take care of your nose? Why, if it is in fact a gateway to Alzheimer's? Now, yeah,
0: I mean, sure, yeah, a lot of it's a gateway to all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. it is a gateway. Yeah, it is. And finally, from W. B. U. R. News, Boston, a New Hampshire woman fell into a dumpster while throwing out her garbage. After a trash truck picked up the bin and began processing the load, neighbors heard the woman's screams. Oh, my God. Fortunately, the trash compartment was equipped with a camera. The driver spotted the woman stuck inside and called 911. By then, he had compacted the garbage with the woman in it four times. She survived. She had just minor injuries. After she was rescued intact with a harness and a basket, Bob Bodette, the Manchester Fire Department Rescue Unit Battalion Chief, said, In the 32 years of my career, I've never seen anything like this. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at WeeklySignals.com. WeeklySignals.com. Subscribe now.